Would you join me in the reading today? Uh, we're in 1 James. Give you all a second, get your Bibles open. James, a bondservant of God and of Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered about, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally, without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let it not be the man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation. Because as a, as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers, the grass and the flowers fall, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade in all his pursuits. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one of us is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and to sin, and when it's full grown, brings forth death. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the earlier opportunity this morning to ask forgiveness not only corporately, but uh, individually for our sins, so that we can come before you and your word this morning with a clean heart. Holy Spirit, I ask that you uh, open our hearts and our spirits so that we're in tune with you and the anointed word that Jackie will be bringing to us, so that all those who have eyes to see, ears to hear, hear what you have for us this, for this day. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Well, as we continue our journey through the book of James, we're picking up a breakneck pace. Almost done with chapter one already. Can you guys believe it? As we, as we take a look at it, I don't want you to miss out. Every week as we go, we'll, the, the reading will get longer because I want you to see everything that's here in chapter 1. I want you to remember that he began with the idea that trials are a blessing. But the ability for trials to be a blessing require us, if you remember, to be led out with joy. That, our, that we are to be led out with joy. And we discussed the key to all these things, guys, is so important for us to lay hold of. Here's the key. The key is that our joy is in the Lord. The scripture tells that in the presence of God, there is inexpressible joy. So if I'm in the presence of God, 
And I want to be let out with joy. That's where I'm going to find the joy I need to be let out in. I'm not going to find joy necessarily in my circumstances. I'm not going to find joy in the hardships or the trials. I'm going to find joy in the presence of the Lord. So I need to be let out with joy and allow the trial to do its work. What's the work that it's doing? It's making me complete. It's accomplishing a work in me that our suffering is not just random. Suffering doesn't just happen and have no meaning. It helps me to know, I may not know why, I may not be able to put all the pieces together, but it helps me to know that the suffering in my life had a purpose. Now maybe I don't see that purpose or understand that purpose till I see Christ. I'm okay with that. It's just not arbitrary. And that's the word tells us that all the way through. Count it all joy, he says. Be let out with joy the presence of God and allow trials to do what they need to do in your life. The very next place he goes, discussing as, we, as we're going to be moving forward in the trials today, the very next thing he said is we need wisdom. So we needed joy to lead us out. And then last week we needed wisdom, right? And we discussed Psalm, uh, or I'm sorry, Proverbs 8 that tells us wisdom is a person. The person of Jesus Christ. He is wisdom. Colossians 2.9 tells us that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ. They're all in Him. So again, if I want to be led out with joy, where is it? In the presence of God. If I want to have wisdom, where is it found? In Jesus. In Christ. In Him. In Him. We come back to that same idea. So I want to... Allow trials to do their perfect work in my life. I want to be led by joy, which is found in the presence of God. And I want to have wisdom, which is found in the presence of God. You guys tracking with me so far? So we need that wisdom. It's found with Him. And God doesn't want us to come to Him with two hearts. He doesn't want us to come to Him with two minds. He wants to come with one, right? What's it say in Deuteronomy chapter 6? Love the Lord your God with how much of your heart? All of it? Not just half? Not just a bit, not a corner, not the closet. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? All your being. Because he goes on to say all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yeah? So he wants all of us. All of us. Hosea chapter 6, 4 through 6. He tells us, I want, our, I want your loyal love. I want everything that you have. So when the Bible told us that we go to God and we ask Him for wisdom and He'll give it because wisdom is in the presence of God, that we go to Him with our heart focused on Him. Our mind focused on Him, not something else. There's a double-minded man. Idolatry, we talked about this last time. Idolatry is a huge deal to God. Huge. Read the book of Hosea. Idolatry is a huge... Read all the prophets. Read Ezekiel. Read Jeremiah. Read Isaiah. Read the exiles as the children of Israel go into exile. Why? What was it all about? Idolatry. Idolatry, meaning it's not a whole heart. Jesus would say, they come to me with their lips, but their what? Heart is far from me, right? They come to me. What is that? It's a divided mind. It's a divided heart. It's a divided being. God wants it all. Well, how do we give it all? We, we give it all when we're in His presence. We want His presence more than we want His presence. Did you catch how I did that? Some, some people look at me like, what? When we want his presence, not just his presence. The good things he gives us, presence with a T. We want his presence with a C, his person. Yeah, I should think so. 
yeah, I'll have, that's what I need is another pile of something in my office that didn't go over so good. But anyways, you get the idea. So we want His presence, whole heart focused, let out with joy, with the wisdom of Christ. Now we're ready to hear about the trials. So we we just worked our way through, what about, we're going to pick it up in verse 9. So we worked our way through 8 verses, and we come to verse 9. When we come to verse 9, now He's starting to deal with the struggles. And the first struggle he deals with money. Now, what do you what do you think he picked that one first for? You, you think everybody has those problems? One where there's going to be three specific things he brings out that I want you to see. And the first one he brings out maybe is more common. The first one is, is I have written next to it uh, financial stress. Financial stress. This is not. Uh, um, necessarily success, but it's part of the trial of money. The idea that trials can be a blessing, we need wisdom, let joy lead us out. Let's look at it. Verse 9, so let the, lo- let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. Your condition does not dictate your response. There are going to be some people in the world who have a lot. We're going to see them in the next verse. And there are going to be some people in this world who don't. And it, I'm not even going to give you the whole thing about how we have it all here in the nation. Look, it, all that stuff's relative. You guys get that? It's all relative. If I go to Africa, it's relative. It doesn't translate. But they still have their wealthy and they still have their poor. Okay? So instead of doing that, let's just figure this. This is what he's telling us with our with stress. And money can be a stress. A lack of money can be a real stress, right? It can be a real problem. It can be a real trial. No, we don't have enough to pay our bills. We're struggling. So the scripture says, let the lowly brother. The word lowly can also mean depressed. Can be low, like it is used whenever the Nile River was low. They use the same word to describe the river's low. The idea that he's humble, the humility. But the concept is... Ultimately, you're broke. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation. How many of you guys know, and this is going to be a real key when we deal with with issues of money, how many of you guys know that whatever your situation with money is temporary? Do you know that? I mean, even if you live out all your days poor as dirt, still only temporary. If your Father is the Lord God Almighty, if Jesus Christ is your Savior, He owns a cattle on a thousand hills, you're not a pauper. So He says to the lowly, glory in your exaltation. Look forward. Look forward and realize this is temporary. Is that a helpful thing in our trials and in our struggles? Now, does it mean, does, it, does, does looking forward and saying it's only temporary put food on my plate? No. Does it, does it mean it's going to save me from having to lose everything? Not necessarily. For Kathy and I, there was a, there was a time in our life where we, we actually, I don't know if you guys all know, I, I didn't really walk with the Lord very much. Uh, my dad was a pastor, so I was a PK. Have you heard of those? <laughs> so I was a PK, so I, I did the typical PK thing. But then my dad ran off with his secretary, and I got mad at God. Anybody ever been mad at God? So I got really mad at God, and I decided my punishment of God was not, I, was gonna, I could care less about him. I don't, if he was on the left side of the world, I was going to the right. 
I don't want nothing to do with you. Now, how many of you know when you do that, you make your situation better or worse? Right? It always makes it worse. When we're mad at God, it always leads us to dumb stuff. So, I did all that for a long time. Now, we fast forward 13 some years. I got a couple of kids. But I'm fine. I started going to Bible college. I'm trying to get... I really want to serve God. It's like I've finally come full circle, right? And I've gone through all this, and I got all this stuff, you know, we got a new house, and we have all these cool things, but I want to serve God. I want to do whatever God has for me. So, so I'm in that mindset, and I'm going to Bible college, and I'm doing all that stuff, and right about then, in order to Bible, in order to go to Bible college, I gotta, I gotta change my job. Because the job I had was 90 hours a week. Now, if you count how many hours is in a week, 90 means you don't have time for nothing else, right? So I need to change my job. So I took a city job. City of Palm Springs, good job, right? Work for the city. Regular hours, bing, bing, I'm out. But, but I'm making a whole lot less money. But it's okay because I have this huge retirement account that, that the, the company that I was working for uh, have been putting in for us. Taking the, our, uh, we got paid what's called prevailing wages. You, got, you guys know what that is? So they pay you ridiculous amount of money to do stuff. So, well, okay, so maybe not ridiculous, but I thought it was ridiculous money. But anyway, so, so part of that money they took away and put it in a retirement account. They'd send us the stuff, what's in your retirement, cash it out, that'll float. Well, you know what I didn't know is the owner of the company took everyone's retirement, paid off his bills, and he was gone. So I cashed out my retirement, and I took this other job, and then and the three, it was supposed to take three months. They're going to send me money. Three months, money didn't come. Then six months, money didn't come. A year, money didn't come. Uh, uh, I'm behind. I'm behind. Now I'm behind a couple months on a house payment. But Lord, where are you? I'm finally trying to do what you want me to do, man. I'm, I'm, I'm making time so I can go to Bible college. I'm making time so I can do all this stuff. So where are you? What's going on? What's, what's the plan? All your circumstances are only temporary, whether on the upside or the downside. So I watched the guys with the little black suits and the cool sunglasses come take all my stuff. They took the keys to the house, keys to the cars. They left me my furniture, but I didn't have nothing to put it in. And we went all the way back to zero. And we started over. But that wasn't permanent. We didn't have enough money for food. So I was, the job I had every once in a while, this guy with a truck would come through. And as he came through, sometimes he had leftover stuff from school lunches that he was dropping off. So he'd leave a box of school lunch, whatever, vegetables or, you know, now you know I don't like vegetables. Vegetables he'd bring by so so the the family would have food. That's, That's how we ate. That's how we did it. And we just trusted God and kept putting one foot in front of the other. It did not last forever. But there's none of the stuff I had then or that I have now that is permanent. It's all what? Temporary. So let the lowly brothers. So when I'm in the bottom, instead of shaking my fist at God, what are you doing? I just need to get with it. Okay, God, this is part of the program. Let's keep going. If you want it all, take it all. I remember I was on a freeway driving down the road, and I'm crying out to God, What are you doing, Lord? I'm finally... I'm, how come you didn't take all the stuff when I was a bonehead? 
When I was dumb, when I was doing all this lame stuff, you didn't take it then. Why are you taking it now? And one of the few times I could just feel the Spirit whispering in my mind, He said, I just want to know if you love me more than these. And the moment I heard that, I said, you can have it all. I don't want none of it. So we start over. We start over. But see, the point is, when we come to that trial, when we come to the difficulty, money, I don't have enough money, life is hard, it didn't mean that things got easy. It didn't mean that food was supernaturally appeared on my plate. Although God provided for us, and we had what we needed. He provided, and we trusted Him. And really, if I go back, those were the sweetest times. Those were the, absolutely the sweetest times. We were, Kathy and I, we were in a place, and, and when, so when we went back to zero, we decided to learn how to take care of money all over again, you know, do, do, do things God's way. So you can argue with me about it later, but we, we decided to do things God's way, so I decided God got first fruit. So we started to, to tithe. Me and my wife's thing, we started to tithe, been tithing ever since. So we, we say, okay, well, what's... Uh, uh, that just come out first. How I many you know if you wait till the end, you never have enough? Ever. I don't care how much you got. It's never enough. So we decided we're going to start tithing. And one day my wife called me. She goes, Jackie, uh, do you want me, to, you, sh- you sure you want me to do this? And I said, yeah, babe, tithe. She said, well, okay, we got enough stuff. We don't have no milk. We don't have no bread. We don't have no lunch meat. But everything else, we're good. Oh, I'll eat pudding. I don't know. We'll figure out something, right? There's food. Uh, i never seen the pantry so bare I couldn't dig something up to chew on. So I said, tithe. So she tithed. It was a Wednesday night. We walked in the back of church at Joshua Springs. We dropped our tithe in the back box. We come down, sit down. We, we do worship service. It was awesome. We have a great time with the Lord, fellowship. Afterwards, Gerald goes, oh, I forgot to make the announcement. Smith's Market closed in town, and they sent over a bunch of milk and bread. So if any of you guys need any milk and bread, go to the back and get milk and bread. So, so my wife, it's, you guys ever met Kathy? She's she not shy about how she feels. So she was just ecstatic, jumping up and down. Wah! She runs to the back. Tom Walsh was in the back. She runs up to Tom Walsh. She says, Tom, you're not going to believe it. She tells him a whole story. She said, I told Jackie we'd have a, we had milk, we had lunch, with bread, and we didn't have lunch meat. And here I got all the bread and milk I can use. And Tom looked at her a minute and he said, this must be for you. Because on a whole truck that they sent up, there was one package of lunch meat. <laughs> so when, when we look back on those times, man, those are great encouragement. So what is James telling us here? He's saying, let the lowly brother glory in the exaltation. One day, we'll be with Christ, and we're not going to have these problems anymore. Now, now maybe that gives me the energy I need to go through the day and through the struggle and trust God in the midst of it all. It's not a guarantee that He's going to make it all go away, but I can trust Him because He said He will give me what I need. So I trust Him for what I need. So if I have little, I glory in the exaltation that God is going to lift me up. Listen to Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. It says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. 
I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. What what he's laying out for us is this idea of the condition. Being broke, being poor, does not dictate my response. Doesn't dictate anything. It's all temporary anyways. God is still God, whether I have a lot or a little. And He will meet my needs. So He wants me to glory in His exaltation. To glorify God for what He is doing. How He's working in my life. And that glorifying in His exaltation, guys, it leads to rejoicing. Contentment leads to rejoicing. Whether you have a lot or a little. If you're not content, well, it don't matter how much you got. They're not going to rejoice. You're going to bicker about what you don't have. If you don't have nothing and you're not content, you're going to still bicker about what you don't have. It's all the same. It's all relative. Look at what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verse 6 says, Godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. So one of the first things that jumps out of us, the need for contentment is godliness. That was part of the prayer today. Godliness. So I want, what have we been talking about with joy? Where's joy found? In whose presence? God. Presence of God. What, where's wisdom found? God. Presence of God. Right? We want to be there in the presence of Jesus. Now, where's contentment? You think it's going to be someplace else? No. You think this is where I'm going to sh- throw you the curveball? Everything else is in the presence of God, but contentment is somewhere else? No, contentment's in the same place. If Jesus is your treasure... You can be content with a lot or little. This is what Paul's laying out for us. He's laying out this secret to, to, to contentment. For we brought how much into the world? How much you taking out? I don't care how big your casket is. I don't know where I was on a dumb, oh, it was a, it was a family feud. They had this dumb question on family. None of you guys watch that, do you? It is a dumb question. If your casket was big enough, what would you take? And all these dumb answers. Oh, take my car. Your car ain't going no place. It's going in the ground and rotten right next to you. That car don't go nowhere. We didn't take nothing in. We don't take nothing out. Listen to what he says. Where's our contentment found? Look at verse 8. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Why? Because our contentment isn't, doesn't hinge on our treasure if our treasure is Jesus. Because you have that. You have the greatest treasure in all the universe. If you have Christ, our treasure is Him. If we have those things that we need. But those who, listen to the phrase, those who desire to be rich, fall into temptation and a snare into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. The desire to be rich, the desire to have more, the desire to have more than what you got. Because contentment is found in Christ. And the American dream is in direct battle with the truth of Christ being your treasure. Ah, if I, I just need a little more. And we all fall into it, don't we? The desire to be rich, guys, that desire, the thing to go out and think that if I had a little bit more of A, B, or C, I'll be happy. If I had a little bit more money, if I could just pay my bills, if I had a bigger house, if I had a faster car, if I had a shinier bike. 
But none of those things will make you happy. Nothing will make you happy in this world. If you have not figured that out, just give yourself a little more time. Oh, if I had a better husband, a better boyfriend, and a, a prettier wife, I don't you a smarter dog. It don't matter. <laughs> Whatever things you're looking for in this world, they're not going to satisfy. You get a moment of pleasure. And you'll think, oh man, this is really cool, but then it gets old. It becomes a hassle. And you want to get rid of it and get something else. Something else is not going to satisfy. What satisfies is a relationship with Christ. True, valued relationship with Christ that brings contentment. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. And it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Man, not about Money is just a tool. It's a hammer. Hammer is not good nor bad. Money is not good nor evil. Money is just a tool. Your desire for it, how you desire it, what place it places in your life, that can be an idol. No? Whether you have it or you don't, it can still be your idol. And the Word of God is laying out for us. Man, we need to learn to have contentment. Our first trial with money is with not having enough. But look where the verse takes us. Look where it goes in verse 10. Now we're going to talk not about, about struggles. Now we're going to talk about success. Look at it. And the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. Now what was the poor supposed to do? The poor was to realize this situation is temporary. One day, I'm going to think of my exaltation with Christ. What's the rich supposed to do? Exact same thing. Realize that this wealth is temporary. And my real treasure is in Christ. How does he describe the treasure of the rich? It's like a flower of the grass. How many of you guys know money talks? What does it say? Goodbye. Goodbye. Yes, that's what it says. (laughs) Money says goodbye. It's temporary. It's not, you don't get to take your checkbook with you, and there's no special prize. We get to heaven and have the biggest savings account. You get to heaven and guys say, oh, cool, look at all that money you saved. There's no, there's no special prize for that. The, the, the idea is, the concept is, when we think about trials with money, do you, how many of you guys know that you can have a trial because you have too much? Absolutely can. Why do you think all those people who win lottery, it ruins their life? Do you look at how many of those guys who win lottery have to declare bankruptcy? Or how many of them go through severe problems with people? Because now they come out everywhere. Yeah, or they kill them for their ticket. Or whatever. Right? So, so you can have problems of having too much money or too little money. The, the, the issue is the same. If money's the focus. Now you can be rich, and if Jesus is the focus, praise God. God's blessed you. Hallelujah. Enjoy it. You're poor and Jesus is the focus. Praise God. Jesus is the focus. Let's keep going. We still it, it doesn't absolve either of us of our responsibility, does it? Rich or poor? What's our responsibility? To make disciples of who? All men everywhere. 
we got a job to do. So let the trial, whether God has chosen in His sovereignty for poverty for you or wealth for you, keep Jesus in the middle, keep Jesus as a focus, and stop stressing about your money, a lot or a little. The, the idea is the same. Glory in your humiliation. What's a humiliation? Understand that your money's temporary. It's going to burn away. It all goes. We don't take it with us, just like the, just like the poor man. Remember in First Timothy six seven what it said? It said, "If we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out." That's that's just a tool. I'm not I'm not looking around going. I want the hammer. I want to take the hammer with me. When Jesus calls me home, the first thing I'm grabbing is a hammer. No. You say no, Jackie. That's not, you're saying you're going to grab a Harley. No, I ain't. I want that dumb bike. You don't think they got better bikes in heaven? The Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things God has planned for those who love Him. So I don't need nothing here when I go. It's all, it's okay, it can all burn. It can all go. It's all tools. Right? I'm not reaching for my, you know, Black & Decker screwdriver. I could give it, you know, I'll get a different one. Maybe in heaven I'll have a DeWalt, who knows. But it's, it's, it is all tools, we need to see it. The third thing about, about money, he's going to say in verse 11, is about security. Financial security. We, we have worries about being too poor, we have worries being too rich, and we have worries about if we're going to have enough. Right? That's how we worry about it. These are the trials that he's talking about. In verse 11, he says, For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the grass. The flower falls and the beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. We need to realize that our position, whatever it is, rich or poor, is always dependent on circumstances. Man, I knew people who had lots of money put away and the stock market crashed and then they had none. And maybe some of us in this room. But you know what? Our, our circumstances were always, de- or our, our, our place was always dependent on circumstances. If it, if it keeps going good, we'll be alright. If it don't, something happens, something goes wrong. How many of you know we, don't have, we can't control all that stuff? Control is an illusion. All the time I'm driving down the road, I think I'm in control. I'm in control until somebody else isn't in control, and then I'm not in control anymore, right? Control is an illusion, guys. It's dependent on our circumstances. Now, that doesn't mean we don't plan, we don't try to be wise, we don't try to take care of what God's given us so that we can plan for financially for our future. There's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong is when we start worrying about it. Who's in charge? The Lord? Yeah, is He in charge? Do we trust Him? What if God's plan is I, I, I have to lose it all? What if God's plan is I win the lotto? For some people, those are just as frightening as the other. But the reality is, when we look at it, look, here's what we need to realize. Prosperity is temporary, either side of the fence. It's all temporary. The pursuit of wealth will not make you happy. And if you have it, it won't make you happy. And if you don't have it, 
and we'll make you happy. I've seen a lot of miserable rich people and a lot of miserable poor people. And they both have the same problem. Jesus Christ is not their treasure. If Jesus is your treasure, then whether you are abased or abound, you got everything you need because you have Jesus. If you really believe that, man, that sets you free from the trial of money. It'll set you free from the trial of money. So what do we need to do? Here, let's do, this is all so far negative, negative, negative. Let me throw two positives in it before we jump to temptation. Here we go. What do we want to do? How do we want to deal with money? What's the Bible tell us? In Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, listen to what it says. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits of all your produce. So that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So he says, honor the Lord first. Whether you got a lot or a little, it doesn't make any difference. The amount is irrelevant to God. What is relevant to God is that you think about him first. Now that's a battle for me. I think about me first really well. I can tell you all the things I need. But God's word calls me to think about him first. Honor the Lord first. If I want to make Jesus my treasure, I want to honor him first. That's just a practical reality. If Jesus is my treasure, I'm going to honor him first. Now, I'll leave that up to you guys how you want to do it. Okay? That'll be between you and the Lord. But the word of God calls for us. To give of our first fruits, and our first fruits belong to Him. Not the leftovers, first fruits. That's why God, that's why we have to get up early in the morning and spend time with God if we're gonna be let out with joy. Why? What happens if I give God the leftovers of my day? At the end of the day, how excited are you about sitting down and spending a little time just praying and reading the Word? Yeah? Uh, so you walk in the door, kick off your shoes, ESPN comes on the TV, we sit there, kill a little bit of time, pretty soon we're tired, maybe we ate dinner, crawl into bed, go to sleep. If you give what's left over, there's never nothing left. So when we give something to the Lord, we give Him first. I wake up in the morning, I got stuff first. I get, I get a check, I got stuff right now. If I wait 10 minutes, all gone. I'll take care of it right now. I want to keep Christ honored. He is my treasure. And then look at Matthew 6, 19 through 21. So not only do we want to honor the Lord with our wealth, whatever amount we have, but we also want to lay up treasures where? In heaven. It says in verse 19 in Matthew 6, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. You ever have anybody steal your stuff? Yeah. Yeah. That's a drag, no? Man, I don't like it when people steal my stuff. Makes me want to do old things. (laughs) I try not to be that old man anymore. But he says, don't put all your hope in the treasures you have on earth. Because these are the things that happen to them. They break. Somebody steals them. They fall apart. They rot. Right? What does he say? Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Why? Why? Because they're permanent. The greatest treasure of all is in heaven waiting for you right now. Do you know that? The greatest treasure of all is Jesus Christ. 
and he is there and it's not going to rot and nobody can steal him and it's not going to go away. Don't live your life like a pauper. You have incredible wealth with Christ. With Christ. This delivers us through the trials that we face with money. But then we see also the trial of temptation. Look at verse 12. So blessed is a man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. What do we see here? Blessed. Oh, how happy is the man who does what? Endures. Endures. The next trial is a trial of temptation. A trial of temptation. What does it mean to endure a trial of temptation? Uh, To endure a trial of temptation means not to fall into sin. The idea is to bear up, remain steadfast. Remember I told you last time it was like someone going and gathering water in two buckets and they put a pole between the two buckets and put it on their shoulder? That's what it means to remain steadfast or endure. To bear up under the burden. Bear up under weight, under pressure. To bear up. This is the call. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast. Who remains steadfast. Who who doesn't lose the battle of the temptation. What's he losing that battle to? His desires. Let's take a look at it. Let's take a look at it. The requirement we need is endurance. The result, after we endure, what do we receive? The crown of life that the Lord gives to all who? Love Him. Don't miss that. He gives to all who what? All the people who love Him. So if you love Him, what's that? What's another way of, of expressing that phrase? Is it different to say Jesus is your treasure or that you love Him? Well, if He's your treasure, what do you do? You love Him. You, you want to keep it, right? You want to hold on to it. You want to look at it. You want to, you want to be with it. In this case, that treasure is a, it is, is a person. It's Christ. It's our God and Savior, great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we want Him. If we love Him, it's the same deal. Same deal for wisdom. Same deal for joy. Same deal for having contentment with money. Same deal to have endurance. Where's my endurance found? In that relationship with Christ. Oh, how happy is a man who bears up under the burden placed on his shoulders because he loves Jesus He receives a crown. You get it? It's the same way we endure the battle of temptation. Look at 1 Peter 1, 6-9. It says this, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, here's the idea, it's temporary, right? Are you guys tracking with me? It's always temporary. Though for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the testing, or so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold, that is not permanent, perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What's that mean? That means that all the stuff we go through in life is temporary, and if we realize that the treasure that we have in Christ, and the relation that we have in Christ, is what we need to propel us through all of the trials that we're facing, then we will realize what we receive in praise, honor, glory at the revelation or the appearing of Jesus Christ. I tell I used to tell kids all the time in football, they'd start the first day first day of football as a freshman, I tell them, you can achieve anything you want to achieve, but you have to give everything you got. 
And if you give everything you got, you will achieve, you, you will reach your goal. But if you don't do it, you're not going to get it. Let's flip it. If you live your life totally sold out for Jesus Christ as he is your treasure, you will not be put to shame on the day you see him face to face. On the day you see him face to face, you'll rejoice like no other because you will have that moment looking into your Savior's face. You'll see him look at you with love and declare, well done. That's not an automatic. You guys know that, right? It's not an automatic that you get it. Well done, good and faithful servant. You might get, I was not really sure you were going to make it, brother. I don't want one of those. I want a well done. So how do you get the well done? Jesus, my treasure. I love his appearing. I'm looking for him. I realize that everything that happens in my life happens. It has a purpose. There's a reason behind it. And I trust him. I trust him if I got a lot. I trust him if I have a little. I trust him if I'm poor. I trust him if I'm rich. I'm going to keep myself in that place where Jesus Christ is central in my life. And that will help me move forward with joy. I'll have the wisdom of Christ, the, the uh, uh, contentment I need, and the endurance for the trials that come. Because it's all found in him. It's all found in him, with him, by him, for him. It says in verse 8 of 1 Peter chapter 1, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Man, there's so much more we receive in Christ than we ever lose. So much more we receive in him. What's the cause of our temptation? Look at verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But, in contrast to that, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by what? His own desire. And here's a lot of things. There's, there's a couple things we want to gain. First, it's impossible. God does not tempt you. Your temptation comes from inside your broken person you're broken i'm broken we have desires our desires are twisted they're sinful our sinful desires always want what they shouldn't have right every child who's ever walked on this earth has the same problem they want what they can't have they want what can hurt them what's our job as parents we parent them away from those things and we keep them safe it's no different than what god does for us the desire. I'm not the one who put the evil desire in my kids. Well, sort of. <laughs> I passed it on for sure. But that desire is inside of them, right? The Bible says it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, what comes out of him. Well, that means it's where? It's already here, right? It's already in me. It's not God. God didn't put it in you. The devil didn't put it in you. Your environment didn't put it in you. It was in you. From a day you were born. The desire, this thing inside of us that wants to take us. It's not our spouse's fault. It's not our kids' fault. It's not our neighbor's fault. 
The desire to sin is in me. It's in my soul. What does the Bible say? Romans chapter 6, verse 5. says, If we have been united with Him, Jesus Christ, in a death like His, then we will certainly be like Him in a resurrection like His. What does that mean? If I have died to sin, how can I live any longer in it? What's that mean? It means the key to overcoming temptation is found with who? In Christ. Just like wisdom. Just like joy. It's the, the key, the answer to all the questions is Jesus. We just don't always understand why that's the answer. Well, the answer is that because everything that we need is in Him. If I've died with Him, then I've raised with Him. If I've died with Him, then I need to reckon myself dead to sin. I need to do that. It's inside of me. I need to do Look what it says. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved. I'm not a slave of sin anymore. I present myself to Jesus Christ. He's my Lord. Sin's not my Lord no more. I don't gotta sin. Jesus gives me what I need to overcome it. He gives me what I need to overcome it if I blow it. He gives me what I need to overcome it if I don't. Everything I need is found in Him. For one who has died is set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, then we believe we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died to sin once for all people. But the life He lives, He lives to God. So you also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. So I consider, I reckon, I tell my desire to shut up, sit down and be quiet. Or I tell my desire, go, run. And if I let my desire run, what will happen is I will fall. The idea, the process it lays out for us in verse 14, look at it. It says, but each person is tempted when he's lured away and enticed by what? His own desire. It's my own heart. It's my own brokenness. It's that thing inside of me. That trial comes to us all. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. It means we all are tempted. But with every temptation, what does God give us? A way of escape. Now, I'm going to tell you the way of escape is always the same. You want to know what the way of escape is? Jesus. He's the way. The truth. And the life. Jesus is the way. He is the key to all of these things. To enduring through our trials. To, to going through the trials with money. To going through trials of temptation. This is what we understand. I need to hold fast to Him. Look what it says in verse 15. Then desire, when it has conceived gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. How often? Every time. The wages of sin is? Death. The soul that sins shall die. That's what the Word declares. Last I checked, we all sinners. 
So what we do, what, what, we're, what we're giving birth to over and over again in our life when we fall to temptation is our own destruction. And that destruction may come with one or it may come in a hundred. But all I know is I'm storing up wrath. I'm storing up that disobedience. I'm storing up, I'm, I'm, I'm giving birth over and over and over again to death in my life. And I, I don't really want that. You don't want that in your life, do you? I want to live. Don't you want to live? I want to be able to enjoy life. I want to be able to, to go out and see a sunset and smile. I want to be able to go out on a, on a lake and, and fish. Or I want to go on a hike. Or I want to enjoy what God's given us to enjoy. There's nothing in the Word of God that says don't do that. But if I'm going to enjoy all the good things that God's given, then God needs to be central. No idol. Not the temptation that so easily ensnares us. We have to deal with it. We have to reckon it dead. I am dead to sin and alive to Christ. Dead to sin, alive to Christ. The key to victory in our temptations is to endure under the weight of the burden. Because I love Christ and I know it's only temporary. One day it will be lifted It will always bring forth the same thing, guys. It brings forth destruction. When it's full grown, it brings forth death. Spoken of is a picture of pregnancy. Desires conceived. When desire conceives, it gives birth to sin. When I give in to the desire. The Bible says, let not sin reign in your mortal bodies. And it reigns in my mortal bodies when my desires are in control. But do you know that the Word of God declares that the law of the Lord, if we love the Lord, He will give us the desires of our heart. Now, most of my life, I put my desires in my heart. I got all these wants. But if I love the Lord, the law of the Lord, all that is God, if I love Him, He takes His desire and He puts it in my heart. And now I'm delivered. Because He's the answer. He's the treasure. He's the piece of the puzzle that so often is missing in our life. We need Him. Well then... How do we control these things? How do, we, how do we gain victory over our temptations? Last four things we'll look at. And I'll cut you loose. It's first thing we want to do is pray. You notice I didn't say last thing we want to do is pray. So stop making that the last thing you do. Oh, I tried praying. It didn't work. What do you mean it didn't work? You prayed and God didn't hear you? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Or are you being spoiled and saying, I, like a little child stomping her feet, I prayed and daddy didn't give me what I want. And you tell me how well that worked when your kids did it in front of you. Not so well, right? First thing, number one, pray. Pray. We need to pray. Matthew 26, 41. Look what it says. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. For the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Those words in red. Jesus said that. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. We need to pray. 
We need to spend time in the Word. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way, keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your Word. Verse 11 of Psalm 119 says, I have stored up your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Yeah. Yeah, we need to put, we need to pray, we need to put the Word of God in. We also need to be walking in the Spirit, don't we? We need to walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Walk in the Spirit. Now what happens if we mess up? Does He give us an account, something for that? 1 John 1, nine. what does it say? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from how much? All unrighteousness. All of, these, all of these verses we just talked about are all the same thing. They're all saying the same thing. Jesus needs to be your treasure. Central. Your love. And if He's that love, what's He do? He changes your desires. If He's that love, what's He do? He leads you out with joy. If He's that love, what's He do? He gives you wisdom. If He's that love, what's He do? He provides the endurance you need for the trials that you seek. It's all in Him. And we go through our life in some, uh, some kind of a, an anemic reality where we're not really experiencing it and we think this system doesn't work. We think that He doesn't have power. He's not there. He hasn't changed anything. And I would say, if you have a divided heart, let not that man think he's going to get anything. He's a double-minded man, literally two-souled, split in two pieces. One part wants God, one part wants the world. How'd that work out for Lot's wife? The Bible tells very clearly, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? There are no fence, folks. There are no fence. Stop trying to walk the fence, walk the line, play games with it, get it all in or get all out. And we get all in, we can allow then God to make those changes in our life so that our experience is what we're reading. Because most of the time we read it and we look at it and we want to teach it and we want to tell our kids about it and we want to tell them, but that hasn't been my experience. I've tried to tell you this, but I don't know that I've experienced it. I'm so thankful to God that I have stories that I can go, yeah, no, God did exactly what His Word said. He did it. God's Word, God healed me of HIV Spared me and my family from all the stupid stuff I did. Delivered me all the way to paradise in Idaho. From all the crazy nonsense that my life was all about. And he didn't do it because there's something different about me than anybody else. God wants all your heart. So give it all. And watch. That's the call, guys, of the prayer for the nation. The prayer for the nation. If my people will will humble themselves and pray. If they will turn from their wicked ways. 
What was their sin? Guys, that's the exile we were talking about. What was their sin? Idolatry. They loved some other god. And they tried to add a relationship with God into it. But God said, if my people will turn from that and come to me with a whole heart. Isn't that what Mark David? A man after? Was he perfect? No. What was he? Focus. I want you, God. I want all of you. That needs to be our heart. And if it is, you'll see the book of James and Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians, Colossians, all just start coming to life. You'll start to experience those things because the key to all that you want is you surrendering all you have to Him. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray.